If you would take your Bible this evening and turn to Proverbs chapter 22. Proverbs chapter 22. And I'm going to look at verse 6. Proverbs 22 and verse 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Train up a child. That's the title of the message tonight. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for your love, your mercies. Thank you for your word that gives us direction, wisdom, understanding into thy truth and into the ways of life, understanding into life. I pray, Father, as we look into the word of God tonight, that you would help me to rightly divide thy truth. Father, help us to make applications to life and particularly to parents and young people, I pray that they receive the instruction that is the way of life. We do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The word train up, the words train up, means to dedicate. It has the idea of to make experienced submissive. I thought it was kind of not something I expected. And he used the illustration The uh, Bible Dictionary used the illustration as one does a horse by a rope in its mouth. So a trainer teaches a horse to experience, now think about this, trainer teaches a horse to experience the blessings that come from being submissive to the trainer. I think that's the idea here. You know, the trainer teaches a horse to experience the blessings that come from being submissive to the trainer. You know, if a horse isn't trained, it isn't much good. It just does whatever it wants. It can, you know, it can get them, horses can get themselves into real fixes, you know. Uh, and, you know, you go to a horse show and you witness to, you know, what a horse can do in, in, in the service to, and, 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 you know, to man and all that, that all comes by the horse learning or being taught to submit to the trainer. And, you know, that's, that's true of any animal. Uh, you know, and we are, we are to train our children to submit to us so that they may reap the blessings that come as a result of serving the Lord and others. And to do that, you know, there's several things. They have, they have to learn to submit. That's, I think that's very key. So it means, you know, to dedicate. Uh, you know, the Jews had a concept that if someone was wealthy, it was because they served well. They served well. So as consider tonight, I want to look at a couple of things about training up in a child with these thoughts in mind. First of all, uh, you know, we must, there must be, they must learn submission. To train them up in the way of the Lord, they have to learn submission. And, of course, that's kind of in the, in the definition there. In Ephesians chapter 6, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 and 3, 1 through 3, not 1 and 3, 1 through 3. <clears throat> the Bible says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. 
honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment of the promise. Now, there is a slight difference between honor and obedience. You can obey. But to honor is an attitude of the heart. It's possible to obey on the outside and not honor your parents. Uh, so, so this is with a willing heart. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment of the promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. You know, this, this, is, this is the foundation, I believe, in which all else uh, for success in life rests. It's children to obey your parents. Verse 3 says, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. If there is not submission taught or learned by a child, there is little hope for success of that child. Well, you might say, well, that's a pretty strong statement. Yeah, I do believe it. If they'll not learn to submit to parents, they'll not submit to a boss, they'll not submit to a pastor, they'll not submit to God. It just goes from one to the other. And if you are unsubmissive to any of these, you're in rebellion to God. Look at Ephesians, you say, wait a minute. Look at Ephesians 6. Let's go on. Verse 5. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters. That's your boss. We would say today, employer. According to the flesh, with fear and trembling, and singing your heart, as unto Christ, not with eye service as men pleases, but as servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. If, you're, if you have a rebellious spirit, you know, it's not saying you have to agree with everything your boss believes. But you better have a submissive attitude, a, 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 a heart to serve him as if you're serving Christ toward him. Let me try and illustrate. A farmer that I worked for years ago, who was actually a relative of mine, he said to me one day, and he was, we were talking about this very thing of submission you know, to authorities and so on and so forth. So he said to me one day, if I told you to cut the tongue off the wagon, you should do it. And, and, uh, and, and so, you know, and I, and I said to him, well, I said, well, you know, that's, that's really kind of a silly thing to do. He said, yeah, but if I told you to do it, if you're going to be in submission, you should do it. I said, well, if you really wanted me to cut it off, I would. But first, I'd try to reason with you as to why I don't think that's a good idea. But if you still say that you want it cut off, I'll cut it off. It's your wagon. It's your wagon. It's not mine. Now, if he's going to use that wagon, he's got to weld it back on. But the point is, were you going to follow his instructions and obey his commandments or not? You know, and again, you know, Esther reasoned, she, she reasoned with Hazarus, uh, but she was submissive to him. You know, she, was still, she was still submissive to him, that what he was doing was not a good idea. And he realized, you know, 
Yeah, it wasn't a good idea. He hadn't researched it at. Uh, look, at, look at 2 Samuel chapter 24. 2 Samuel. We see an illustration of this in the Bible. In 2 Samuel 24, and verses 1 through 4. 2 Samuel 24, 1 through 4. It says, The anger of the Lord was kindled. Again, the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he moved David against them to say, Go number Israel and Judah. For the king said to Joab, the captain of the host which was with him, Go now through all the tribes of Israel, from Dan even to Beersheba, and number ye the people, that I know the number of the people. And Joab said unto the king, Now the Lord thy God add unto thy people how many soever they be, an hundredfold, and that the eyes of my lord the king may see it. But why doth my lord the king delight in this thing? You know, Joab was not a godly man. But even Joab knew this wasn't a good idea. This was, not, this was something that God instructed him not to do. Uh, it promotes trust in your own army and not confidence in the Lord, and that's why they were not to do it. But, but anyway, for some reason, you know, it's the anger of the Lord's kindled. They're, they're, God's displeased with Israel about something, and so, so um, uh, you know, even through David, uh, they are enticed to commit something that's going to cause great harm, which it did. But if you notice in verse 4, notwithstanding the king's word prevailed against Joab and against the captains of the host. So Joab wasn't the only one. Obviously, it appears that Joab wasn't the only one that kind of, you know, tried to reason with the king. But, hey, he's the king. And Joab, the captain of the host, went out from the presence of the king to number the people of Israel. And so, so here again you see they were submissive to their authority. Uh, you know, again, I, I'm not going to try and explain all the reason out why this happened in this chapter the way it did, but God's angry with Israel for some reason, and there's going to be chastisement and judgment upon them, and this is how it all comes about. And, you know, Joab, Joab, you know, being in a, a submissive role, he did r- try to reason with the king, but he did do, nevertheless, he did do what the king asked or commanded of him to do. See, he was submissive in this. Uh, you know, I wouldn't say that he was always the greatest example of submission in the Bible if you study Joab's life, but in this case, he did submit to the king. You know, the, Psalm 32, verses 8 and 9 says this, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye, be ye not as the horse or as the mule, which have no understanding, whose mouth must be held in with bit and bridle, lest they come near. Don't be like a horse and a mule that has to be forced. Young people, don't be like a horse or a mule that has to be forced. Submit willingly. And parents, we need to train our children to obey. It's our responsibility to train up a child. Teach them to submit their will uh, to us. To us. The second thing we see here in training is 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 education. Um, <clears throat> go to Proverbs chapter one. Now, 
You might say, well, is this in the Bible? Well, what is education? What is education? Education isn't just school books. That's how we think of education. But really, education is a lot more than school books. In fact, the word education means to develop the faculties and powers of a person by teaching, instruction, and schooling. To qualify by instruction or training for a particular calling, practice, etc. And then it adds the word train. Train. Uh, the word instruction means to practice, to train. Creating a certain mindset of submitting to an authority, a responsibility. You might say, you, you could say it this way. Submitting it's, it's a, it's, it's a, includes a discipline, a structure, boundaries. You know, all that stuff goes in there with education. Proverbs chapter 1 and verse, uh, verse 5, uh, verse 4. To give subtly to the simple. Let, let's, let's, actually, let's, let's go back to verse Verse 3, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment, and equity. Uh, to give subtly to the simple. That word subtly has the idea of, of, uh, of, of knowledge. And the simple means ignorant. That's what simple in the Bible means. They don't know. Just the idea that you don't know. You know, God says, I don't want you to be ignorant or simple concerning certain things. So, to the young man, knowledge and discretion... A wise man will hear and will increase learning, and a man of understanding shall attain on the wise counsels to understand the proverb and the interpretation, the words of the wise and the dark sayings, to fear the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. My son, hear the instruction of thy father and forsake not the law of thy mother. For they shall be an ornament of grace under thy head and chains about thy neck. Again, it speaks of... They're like decor that will add value and dignity to your life. You know, again, the picture here is an ornament of grace under thy head. You know, a say so. Your your the, the word picture here is is something that's of value, an ornament of grace under your head. It makes you it makes you uh, of greater or better quality than the average. Than the simple, they're ignorant. You know, in the old feudal system, you know, you had you had kings and you had princes and you had and you had servants and and, and you 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 had uh, uh, you know a lot of different classes of people and they they wore decorations many times describing what rank they had. Uh, and, of course, these different ranks were gained by merit, usually by merit, or you were born into it. But there's a possibility by some merit or some great deed you've done that you may be elevated or transferred from one class to another. Well, this is, the, this is really the kind of idea here that to, to learn, to hear instruction, thy father, forsake not the law of thy mother, it'll be an ornament of grace. It'll elevate you. And a chain about your neck. So, as we think about education, you know, we are to, to teach, we're develop the faculties and the powers in our children by our instruction. Uh, and a full education is more than just book learning. 
fact, an attempt to educate with book learning without discipline is usually not very successful. Why is it? Why is it that people can go through school and come out and not know how really to read and write? You know, our education system today has been totally compromised because there's a lack of discipline. There's a lack of structure because the children run the thing, basically. By the way, that can happen with homeschooling, too, if you aren't careful. It requires discipline. It, it requires discipline for growth in knowledge. Um, and so this, this, has to be, this has to be developed. It has to be, uh, there has to be structure. Um, they, they need, children need to be, they need boundaries. They need a schedule. Can't let them just do what they want to do when they do it, when they want to do it. Because that's not the way life operates when they get in the real world. So there must be a development of their faculties and powers. The third thing, trained, trained to work. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 9 says this, Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. That's repeated in Deuteronomy 5.13. You know, the, God, the Bible gives uh, a lot of instruction and emphasis on work. You know, let me, let me read a few verses here for you. Genesis 31.42. Uh, Jacob had left Laban and, you know, kind of fled from Laban because he kind of feared that he'd, she'd chase him and, and, you know, take his daughters from him and, and all, the, all his uh, sheep and, and cattle and goats and all that he had because they, originally they were Laban's. And, and through his work for Laban, he had gained them, but he was afraid Laban would take it back. So anyway, he's fled. And, and so Laban catches up with him, and this is what Jacob said to him. Except the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac had been with me, surely thou hast sent me away now empty. God has seen my affliction and the labor of my hands and rebuked thee yesternight. God saw his affliction and he saw his labor. And he rebuked Laban. He said, basically, don't you lay your hand on Jacob. Don't you lay your hand on him. He has earned. He has earned what he's gotten. God saw his labor. You know, there's great reward in labor. It's great reward. Psalm 128, verse 2. For thou shalt eat the labor of thine hands, and... Happy shalt thou be, and it shall be well with thee. Have you ever seen somebody on welfare that was happy? They usually complain. Do you know what? People that earn their living uh, are usually more content than those that don't. 
Psalm 144, 14, that our oxen may be strong to labor, that there be no breaking in, nor going out, that there be no, to me this is interesting, there be no complaining in our streets. So there's a relationship between labor and no complaining. Uh, There's a relationship between happiness and labor. Proverbs 10, 16. The labor of the righteous tendeth to life. The fruit of the wicked to sin. In other words, labor enhances growth. It gives dignity and purpose to life. It tends to life. Proverbs 13, 11. Wealth gotten by vanity shall be diminished, but he that gathereth by labor shall increase. Labor brings increase. Proverbs 14.23 In all labor there is profit. Now you may think, this job I'm doing has no purpose. You know, it might build some character in you. In all labor there is profit, but the talk of the lips tendeth only to penury. Uh, Ephesians 4, 28. Let him that stole steal more and more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. You know, when you learn to give, when you, you, when you give, doesn't giving bring joy? How are you going to do that? Laboring. And laboring, knowing that you've earned that and you can give it, brings value and dignity to life. Look at, go back to Ephesians chapter 6. Again, the Bible, there's a lot in the scriptures about labor, about working. Somebody said the only time work uh, is before success is in the dictionary. I'm sorry, the only time success is before work is in the dictionary. I got that backwards. Uh, Ephesians 6, verse 5. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in singleness of your heart as unto Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men. So as Christians, we're to do our work you know, whether it's for a master or an employer, the word master really in this text, you know, in modern English we'd say employer, it, whether it's to him or, or, or for ourselves, we'll do it as to good, as to, uh, goodwill, with goodwill, as if it's to the Lord. In other words, we're to do it as pleasing to the Lord, not to man. Knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. Uh, Colossians 3. Colossians chapter 3. In verse 23 and 24. Colossians 3, 23 and 24. 
And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord, not unto men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of inheritance, for ye shall serve, for ye serve the Lord Christ. And then, of course, we know what Second Thessalonians chapter three verse ten says: If any man would not work, neither should he eat. Here should he eat. Lamentations three twenty seven and twenty eight says this. It is good for a man that he bear his yoke in his youth. He sitteth alone and keepeth silence because he hath borne it upon him. And the picture there is, you know, sitting alone and keep silence. One who's borne the yoke, he's learned to work and accomplish something. He sits alone, he keeps silence because he hath borne it upon him. It's a picture of one who's confident. He can sit alone. He doesn't have to have the Applause of men. Because he's already, he has confidence in what he has done or is doing. What he's accomplished in life. Because he has borne it upon him. And so, again, work is very important. You know, is it, is it difficult to train your kids to work? Well, it depends. Are they in submission? You know, if they've, they've learned submission, they won't have such a problem with work. You know, they need to, and they need to learn to overcome difficult and challenging tasks. In the book, The Christian Family, by Larry Christensen, page 68 and 69, he said this, quote, when you set your child to a long and tedious piece of work, do not permit him to dispute, enlarge upon redundant details in order to build obstacles, or to be just generally irritable because he must work, thinking he will wear you out and soon be able to leave the job undone. If you are not firm here, this spirit will possess him, and when he is an adult and expected to make something of himself, he will fail, because he was trained to avoid and oppose that which is unpleasant. He will do, be doing exactly what he was trained to do in his younger years. The trouble is, it will now be on such giant-like proportions that parents usually fail to recognize it as their own training. Why do you suppose so many young people turn to various forms of lawlessness and depravity in order to make a living? The poor souls were permitted to play, 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 and play from morning to night for 18 years. They have learned nothing but foolishness, colossal and stupendous foolishness. How can they suddenly face the discipline of weariness and mundane involved in making an honest living? It is too late. Work tires our bodies and leaves us glad for moments of repose. Young people who at an early age are thus disciplined will not be devising evil upon their beds. It's a common sight today to see a mother running absolutely wild, straining every fiber of her body, trying to keep abreast of all the family work details, while a 10 or 12 or even 60-year-old daughter sits around primping her hair and posing in the mirror. Don't say she's too young. In early days, a child had to stand on a box when he, she, he or she learned to wash dishes. That is the age children should learn to accept responsibility. From early years, girls should be learning to wash their own clothes and sweaters, helping mother and sacrificing themselves for the family, keeping the house, cooking, etc. How will a boy or girl give themselves later on when God or duty calls? If there has been no early training and sacrifice, they will be unable to yield. If we do not learn obedience in small things, we will lose our ability to be obedient in large things. Unquote. 
You see, at young age, they can learn to do. So you, you can be surprised, the tasks. Four-year-olds can take, can gather the garbage. Hey, if they drop a few pieces of garbage on the floor, you have them come back and pick it up. You train them that they must do the job right. That they must do it right. I mean, by the time they're 10, they can be washing dishes, setting the table. And if your china is too fine for children to handle, get rid of it. Children are more important than china is. See, what you're teaching them is responsibility. If they are careless with what you have, there's consequences. This is the way life used to work when men and women learned to work. And they learned it at home. Learned it at home. And they need challenging, difficult tasks in his... uh, in the, the book titled Created for Work, I would encourage any parent to get this little booklet. It's called Created for Work by Bob Schultz. And he was a, um, I believe, a carpenter or a contractor. He's, he's with the Lord now, but he's written a couple other books, too, on child training. But, but he talks about, it's just short, kind of short chapters about experiences in life and, and, and biblical principles about work and, and things you can learn from work. Anyway, in this book, on page 27, he says this, No Webster says, said, quote, To overcome difficulty is an evidence of a great mind. Unquote. If that's true, welcoming trials and troubles as opportunities and friends is the pathway for developing a great mind. The nation of Israel found themselves slaves in Egypt. Pharaoh gave them mud and straw and required tons of bricks in return. A difficult task. Then God hardened Pharaoh's heart so that Pharaoh required the same amount of bricks, only Israel now had to get their own straw. That seemed bad, but it was good. God wanted to get Israel in shape, and he used Pharaoh as the coach. Later, when God led Israel out of Egypt, he brought them forth also with silver and gold, and there was not one feeble person among them. A man of faith sees beyond daily events to the good God a good God who controls all, frequently God disguises himself as trouble, problems, and difficulty. The wise look past those costumes and see provision, growth, and a good education. All problems are reruns. Whatever hardship you face has been faced by someone before you. The faithless focus on the trouble and complain. The faithful thank God and overcome. You know, you may give your child a, what seems to them, an insurmountable task. It may seem too difficult for them to do. Make them finish it. They need to finish it. They need to see it through. They need to learn to overcome difficulties. It is training for real life. You know, the real life's real world is not a place, pleasant place to live. You know, you know, if you think life's tough at home, join the Marines, you know. <laughs> Something like that. No. Real life. In fact, look at 
here's the opposite of this. This this is what happens to when there's not training. Go to Ezekiel chapter sixteen. Ezekiel chapter sixteen. You know, if a if a if a if a child learns to work to accomplish something, it'll give him confidence. He will not be afraid to try just about anything. But if he hasn't accomplished anything, it doesn't give him any self-esteem, any confidence to to think outside his own little box where he is. And you know, and you can give him all the book learning in the world, but if he's never accomplished anything, he's still going to feel like he can't. Uh, Ezekiel 16, verse 49 and 50 says this, Behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom, pride, fullness of bread, and abundance of idleness was in her, and in her daughters, neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy, and, this is the fruit of all this, and they were haughty, and committed abomination before me, therefore I took them away, as I saw good. You know, abundance of idleness... You know, the, the old saying is, idle hands are the devil's workshop. And that is very true. If your children don't have something to do, I'm not saying they have to be working 24-7, but if all they ever do is play, 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 or be entertained themselves by the, the, by the uh, uh, television or their phones or whatever they got nowadays, they're going to find something evil to do. It will come. One commentator said this, Early habits, when good, are invaluable. Early discipline is equally so. He who has not got under wholesome restraint in youth will never make a useful man, a good man, nor a happy man. Unquote. Spurgeon suggested many reasons why it is good to bear the yoke when young. Spurgeon said this, quote, It is good because obedience to God is best learned when young. You know, when you, when you have to complete a job, you have to submit yourself to that. It helps you learn submission, obedience. Secondly, quote, it is good because it saves from a thousand snares. You know, if you have a job to do, you know, that takes up some of that idle time that you have nothing to do. Idleness is not good. Uh... Thirdly, it is good because it keeps us from bearing the devil's yoke. It gets, it's good because it gives you more years to serve God. It's good because it gives one many years of experience. You know, in this book, also, one of the things he talks about is, he talks about some of the master craftsmen that he worked with and how, and one of them was a, was a uh, uh, made countertops out of granite and things, and he talked about this, this house he went into, he said it was a, it was a, a uh, problem. It's a difficult situation, and 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 he said that the the island in the center was like a fat musical note. That's how it was shaped. And so the the guy that came in there to 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 uh, to cut the countertops, and his name was Lawrence, and he said to Lawrence, he says, "That's going to be a difficult one for you." He said, "No, it just helps us learn. It's a it's a it's a it's an opportunity to learn how." He said, "Because." Stone saws are made to cut straight lines, not rounded ones. So, you know, think of a countertop like a fat musical note. It's rounded. 
And this was rounded at one end. It was going to be very difficult. And he said, no, it's just another opportunity to figure out how we're going to do this. Experience. It's good for a man to learn, to labor, bear the yoke in his youth. Young people need to learn to work, to apply themselves. And when there's work to be done, they shouldn't be setting. They should be working. Third, fourthly, parents, if we're going to train up a child in the way he should go, we must oversee their friendships. Look at Proverbs. Go back to Proverbs chapter 1 again. <clears throat> Verse 8. My son, hear the instruction of thy father and forsake not the law of thy mother. For they shall be an ornament of grace under thy head and chains about thy neck. My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. If they say, come with us, let us lay wait for blood, let us lurk privately for the innocent without cause, let us swallow them up alive as the grave and whole as those that go down to the pit. We shall find all precious substance. We shall fill our houses with spoil. Cast in thy lot among us. Let us all have one purse. My son, walk not thou in the way with them. Refrain thy foot from their path. For their feet run to evil and make haste to shed blood. Chapter 4. Verse 14. Enter not into the path of the wicked. Go not in the way of evil men. Avoid it. Pass not by it. Turn from it and pass away. For they sleep not except they have done mischief, and their sleep is taken away unless they cause some to fall. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. The path of justice is as a shining light that shineth more and more into the perfect day. The way of the wicked is as darkness, and they know not at what they stumble. My son, attend to my words. In other words, pay attention here and listen up. Tend to my words. Incline thine ears unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. For they are life unto those that find them, and health to all their flesh. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Put away from thee the froward mouth, the perverse lips put far from thee. Let thine eyes look right on. Let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet. Let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand or the left. Remove thy foot from evil. You know, one of the greatest dangers to children, teens and young people, can be friends. Do you know it's better not to have friends than to have bad ones? You don't have to have a friend. It's not a requirement to get through life. I mean, if you're a godly person, you will not be friendless, I guarantee you. But if you have godless friends, and when push comes to shove, and it's between them and you, you're going to lose your friend anyway. But many a person who had friends, the wrong kind of friends, involved in crime. They got involved in a crime. In fact, I was just reading about one man. His name was Harold. So he was involved in this robbery. The other two guys went in and did the robbery. They committed a murder. He was the driver of the getaway car. But when it came to the trial and the witness, and, and uh, uh, yeah, they, 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 
they, uh, you know, their story, they made up the story that it was him that did it, and he, he paid for the crime for it. Because, well, he was an accomplice. You know, and these friends may be family. And the law, but the laws of God do not make, and the principles of God's words don't make exceptions because of family relations. If they're evil, they're evil. And we have to guard against it. And as we even look at this morning, you know, mother is the guardian of the home, but, but you know, fathers, you know, we need to understand, parents need to understand it's, it's our responsibility to know who our children's friends are and guard them from evil friends. Look at Proverbs, look at some other verses here. Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 7. Proverbs 10 verse 7. The memory of the just is blessed, but the name of the wicked shall rot. 27. Proverbs 10, 27. The fear of the Lord prolongeth days, but the years of the wicked shall be shortened. The hope of the righteous shall be gladness, but the expectation of the wicked shall perish. The way of the Lord is strength to the upright, but destruction shall be to the workers of iniquity. The righteous shall never be removed, but the wicked shall not inhabit the earth. The mouth of the just bringeth forth wisdom, but the froward tongue shall be cut out. The lips of the righteous know what is acceptable. The mouth of the wicked speaketh frowardness, in other words, stubbornness and rebellion. You know, c- consider what the Lord's saying about the wicked. Is that who you want to hang around with? Proverbs chapter 13. Verse 9, the light of the righteous rejoices, the lamp of the wicked shall be put out. Do you ever hear, do you ever, uh, you, I'm sure you've all heard this say, saying, I'm going to put your lights out. You ever wonder where that came from? That's really what that is saying there. They're going to let their lights put out. Uh, they're going to, they, they don't understand, they don't have any light. Um, Proverbs thirteen twenty. He that walketh with wise men, here it is, shall be wise. But a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Evil pursueth sinners. Think about that. Evil pursueth sinners. In other words, it follows you around. If you're evil, evil will follow you around. Do you want evil following you around? Then don't hang around sinners. But to the righteous, good shall be repaid. You know, it's sort of like God said to Cain, look, if you bring the right sacrifice, it'll be accepted. But if not, Your desire, will, sin will rule over you. Sin will rule over you. In other words, your sin is going to follow you around all your life. And it did. Saint Cain was a marked man. He was a murderer, and everybody knew it. Because God marked him. And he went out to the land of Nod. It means wandering. He wandered around all his life, so he just died. Running from his sin. Uh, 
Sin brings guilt into one's life, and you can either confess it and forsake it and have cleansing from your guilt, or you can run around and having it follow you all your life. Think about jo- uh, uh, Joseph's brethren. You know, they sold him into slavery, into, into Egypt. And 13 years later, they go down to Egypt to buy corn. And the overseer of favors granary treats them roughly. Accuses them of being spies. You know what comes to their mind? You know what they say? We are guilty of our brother's blood. He said nothing about what they did to their brother. It was still following them around. They couldn't get away from it. Now Joseph knew who they were. But he was testing them. You see, evil pursueth sinners. It will follow you to your grave. If you don't repent. And if you're going to follow wicked or vain persons, it will follow you around. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise. A companion of fools shall be destroyed. Proverbs 24. Verses 20. Uh, yeah, Proverbs 24, 20. There shall be no reward to the evil man, and the candle of the wicked shall be put out. My son, fear thou the Lord and the king. Meddle not with them that are given to change. For their calamity shall rise suddenly, and who knoweth the ruin of them both. These things also belong to the wise. It's not good to have respect of persons in judgment. He that saith unto the wicked, Thou art righteous, him shall the people curse, nations shall abhor him. But to them that rebuke him shall be delight, and a good blessing shall come upon them. It doesn't matter who it is, wicked or wicked. So don't be a respecter of persons in judgment. And because it's maybe a family member, it's okay. No, it isn't. Sin still sin. And so... You know, parents are to oversee friendships. They're to be the guardian of the home. And as a parent, you have a right to say, no. You know, I had, we were having a discussion years ago with the family one time about schooling and homeschooling and children needing friends. And I said, what good thing can a 12-year-old teach a 12-year-old? Not much. Now, it's, it's nice to have friends. But bad friends can be very, very corrupting. And better not to have friends than to have friends that have a corrupting influence in your life. Amnon got himself killed because he had a very subtle friend. His name was Jonadab. He gave him advice how to get what he wanted. Amnon was basically a spoiled kid, and he got what he wanted, but he lost what he had, and he lost his life. You know, Proverbs 30, 
And verse 17 says this, The eye that mocketh at his father, and despiseth to obey his mother, the ravens of the valley shall pick it out, and the young eagles shall eat it. That's not a very pretty picture. Young person, if you despise and make fun of your parents' instruction, their boundaries, their guidelines, they endeavor to instill in your life, life will be very hard and difficult for you. If you, on the other hand, obey, submit, follow their instructions, the word of God promises it will be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. You see, we have a choice. We have a choice. We as parents are to train up a child. And young people, you have a choice. You can either follow through with your parents' instructions or you can rebel against it. But you don't have a choice when it comes to the consequences. So, train up a child in the way he should go. And I might say, when you get older, children, walk in those ways. That it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. Let's pray.